Um, what I want to just do logistically before we really start, because I know that some of you have this question. So um, we have ordered books four different times um, and we have continued to run out. And so that's a great problem to have or whatever, but I feel horrible that we are a little bit short on those. So um, if you have an empty seat at your table, first of all, if you work here, can you please not have a book for the next two days? Uh, if you're a table leader uh, and you'd be willing to maybe not have a book for just, or is it coming tomorrow? Maybe it's even tomorrow, yeah. Um, but if you have an empty seat at your table, will you, um, like, can we move those books to someone who doesn't have them right now? So I know we're short one here, Abby, could we? So the whole stack, let's take the, the booklet and the journal. Okay, raise your hand if you don't have the materials. We've got one in the back. Thanks, McKenna. That's not bad. Why did I even make a deal of it? So you've already got one? Did you already do the study? You're, you're... Oh, you did. She already ordered on Amazon by herself. Okay, great. Well, guys, so then um, leaders, check with us at the end and we'll especially if you don't live, you know, like here in Tiffin and North Liberty, let's, we'll, we'll get you the books um, today if possible. We don't want you to feel that it's important to feel good and organized as you start. And so we don't want you to feel behind. So awesome. That wasn't that bad. Cool. All right, guys, here we go. Let's, let's together get excited for jumping into the word of God for the next seven weeks. Um, so Many of you have heard this, but I think it's important for us to every study, all three semesters each year, to come back and talk about why do we do this? What's the why behind this? And when we first started Veritas Women's Ministry, we came up with um, a little bit of a vision statement that it's good for me to just hear it every, every few months um, and to uh, pray through it and to ask the God to make it be true. And so we started just saying this, ladies, we are known by God and we are loved by God. So let's know each other and let's love each other. I think it is so easy to try and do a million different things. And then it's like a horrible moment when maybe years down the road, you realize you're not actually doing any, you're not doing the thing that mattered the most. And so we come back to this. We're known by God. What a good promise that is. We are loved by God through Christ. Therefore, in this room and in the Sunday morning Bible study room, Let's know each other, let's prioritize that, and let's love each other. A lot more can happen under that, but let, let that be our main thing. And so we take that vision and it informs what we do here. So that's why we sit at tables. That's why we allow the volume to go crazy high in here, because it's important that you guys get a chance to know each other. Okay, that's why we don't just set up rows. It'd be a lot easier. It would take up less space, but it's important for us to come around God's word in community, to study with one another. And the fact that God loves us should empower us to love one another. I love to look out here and see the diversity of seasons of life and ages and careers and the roles you have at home or at work. Uh, I, love, I love that we don't just have all one type of woman, all you know, 26 years old and sleep deprived. We have a wonderful, we have sleep deprivation all over the ages, right? I don't know. That was morbid. I don't know why I said that, but I love, I love that. So 
Um, since we have started, uh, I think it's been like nine years now, maybe eight years of Bible studies. And we've kind of fallen into a pattern of doing three studies a year. Uh, it wasn't kind of the original plan. I thought to be a good women's ministry, you had to be building up to like 14 or 16 week long studies or else it kind of didn't count. But as God led us, we kind of got into this routine of, of more like sprint studies, seven or eight weeks, uh, fall, spring, and then summer where we can all come together. And part of why we do that, I, I, I want to explain this because I think for some seasons of life, it could actually feel like, come on, why haven't we started yet? You know, it's the second week of January or, or why is this so short or whatever. And there's a couple reasons for that. Um, part of it is that we come together and study together, but we also want to know how to study God's word in times when we don't have a built-in study, Right. We want to kind of build up this muscle together, have motivation together, and then feel like even when the study's over, we can still get into the word. Like we have built up this discipline um, through our, our eight-week study that we can carry it on and then start to ramp up for that next time of coming together. But I think that both are, are really important. But also I've just learned that, man, you guys are busy. And, and life is busy and this isn't the only ministry that you do. And maybe you work a part-time job and Tuesdays is your only day off or whatever. And so I want to put out a Bible study that you look at and you say, oh, I can do seven weeks. I can make that, make that work. And then you actually feel empowered rather than overwhelmed by it. And I, the word of God is so living and active that I think we've, so many of us have been able to testify that it does a work in us that the motivation to, to get back in the word, even when our studies are over, is there because his word has, um, has been at work in our souls. And so that's kind of our, our norm, guys. Here's what we're doing this semester. So we're going to look at our materials now because it's a little bit different than we've done before. So um, lots of you are probably like, uh, Rebecca, you told us we were studying Hosea. Um, wait, does anyone even remember that I said that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Thanks. Um, we are hopefully studying Hosea in the summer. I was so excited to start writing and editing and all these things. And to be super honest with you guys, I, it was like a week before Christmas and the stress was increasing. And what I was plotting in my mind as time was running out before I would need to get Hosea to our, like, our graphic designer, I was like, oh, I guess I'll just ignore my children for all of spring break or winter break. I'm like, oh, I just heard myself think that. I seriously just heard myself think like, how can I just get away for a writing retreat or something like that? And in that moment, I'm like, oh, I don't think that that's the best choice. And I'll explain more as we go through some of the, in, in the next weeks, just about what God was doing in my heart. Um, long story short, I realized I was idolizing uh, productivity, maybe is what it was, idolizing um, almost like a performance. Like I was going to get this study done. I was going to meet the deadline that I said I would do. And then I read Romans 1 and found myself reading about idolatry. And I was like, oh, I think I'm catching on now. So I am working on Hosea for this whole spring semester. And Lord willing, we will study it for our summer study. Um, and so God provided very graciously a direction to go in this Romans 8 study. I actually had this study on my bookshelf and had thumbed through it, but we had never used it. I had never completed it. And so 
six weeks study. I'm like, oh, that works. Six weeks study, seven weeks of coming together. That was what I was hoping for anyway. Um, the author is Trillia Newbell. I've heard her speak several times, read her stuff on Gospel Coalition. Um, I know Jeff and Teresa Dodge really respect her. And so I felt comforted that she was known or whatever. And so started thumbing through it, loved like the blues too. Somebody walked in on Sunday morning, they're like, oh, it's like spring break waters. It's like the Caribbean or something. I'm like, yes, that's, let's do it. That's great. Um, so this is, um, this is the pre-written six-week study on Romans 8. Go ahead and open it up and just take a second and, and, and look through it. Like I'm just going to give you a full minute to thumb through it and get acquainted with it. Okay, so as you're looking through this, you'll see that the weeks are divided up into different kinds of questions. You'll see some commentary that she wrote. You'll see both like reflect questions, explore all these subtitles, reflect questions, respond questions. Okay, so maybe some of you are like, yes, this is my jam. I love this. I love that she, when I say commentary, I can mean like the paragraph she wrote. Maybe you're thinking, nice, like Jen Wilkin doesn't do any of that. That's great. Or this looks way better than Rebecca's studies. And maybe you're excited about it. That is awesome. Just open up to page one tomorrow morning and do this thing. Okay. It doesn't have video teachings. We'll just be doing live teachings. But maybe some of you are like, I don't know about that. I have a really hard time with change, even just change in Bible studies. Um, and so honestly, as I started working through her study, I, I was just a little bit struggling to get into it. Maybe that's not what you would expect someone to say up front <laughs> at Bible study. Um, I even found like some of her questions like just to be hard. And so I was like, oh no, what do I do with this? Like, do I just try, try again or whatever? Um, and so I was praying about it and I thought, you know what? Like the reality is, is that we don't all love the exact same thing. And it's not hard to give you a second option for this study. So whether you love this or not, you will follow the reading schedule that she puts in here, okay? So you'll, you will need this no matter what. You will need to be able to look at, you know, week two, day one, and see that you're gonna read Romans 8, one, and study it, one verse. But a second option you have is these two guys together. So take a look at these. This would be a, a more, I could, I think, uh, summarize this two different ways. An independent study. If you just like to be a little bit more independent when you get into the word, then this CSB journal and these prompts, these um, study prompts, are what you're going to probably enjoy. Um, these are like the same journals that we encourage you to get for our sermon series as well. Um, 
So you can follow these. So let me just show you. I just gave you two of my favorite approaches for independent study. And by that, I just mean when I'm not using a pre-written study, which is several times a year. So this first one is going to sound super familiar if you've done our studies. This is observation, interpretation, application. So you're going to open up in your journal. You've got all the space over here. Again, like in a, in a week, let's say when you're on Romans 8.1, you're going to answer your observation questions, your interpretation questions, and your application questions on this page, okay? Maybe you want to try something new. Now, look at these, this option two. I love, this came from a book about just different ways to study the Bible. These questions are so great. You would read your, your verse, verses, and then you just answer these questions. And nobody's grading you, so you don't have to worry about being wrong, okay? What do we learn about God? Write down anything that comes to mind. Number two, what do we learn about people? Number three, what do we learn about relating with God? And number four, what do we learn about relating with people? The cool thing about this, guys, that I'm excited for you to figure out is I want you to figure out how you get most excited about studying God's word. So you can move around. You could do this for the first week, and then you can try the first, op the first uh, three questions here the next week, and then you can try it here. And maybe you just want to use this as like a prayer journal, but you're like focusing on the promises of Romans 8. And you can, you can just use it as a creative writing prompt. Okay, so those are our options for the next six weeks of study. I want to pause and see what questions you have. I took all of the questions I asked on Sunday and actually answered them this morning, um, unlike Sunday, which was not the clearest. <laughs> uh, so what questions do you still have about that? Okay. All right. I hope that this, this, is, this flexibility excites you and empowers you to know that, that you can study God's word. So, all right. So as we uh, continue kind of moving into vision casting, guys, there's a couple things that we have gotten to the habit of saying about God's word. One going to feel like a trick question because it might just sound too easy, guys. But what do we always say? The Bible is a book about who? Like you mean it. God. The Bible is a book about God. So basic, but how do we miss that? How did I miss that for most of my life? I would go to God's word like it was a book primarily about me. And it blew me away when I first heard that really like clearly put to words that this book is a book primarily about God. And when we go in looking for truths about him and we follow a good study process, guys, who do we end up learning about? Ourselves. We learn wonderful truths about ourselves. And Romans 8 is, is going to do the exact same thing. I promise you, if you go in there aiming high, looking for what's true about him, you will leave at spring after spring break, knowing yourself better, understanding yourself better, understanding your struggles and how you're wired, how God has made you. And then another thing that we say a lot about God's word is that the Bible is for everyone. The Bible's for everyone. This room needs to hear that, guys, very much so. If we believe that, then what we're saying is that the Bible is not just for men. I'm not saying that with like some angry woman approach or anything like that. I'm but it's good for us to say that. Like the Bible is not just for men or even like using our minds with the Bible. 
That's not just for them. How about the Bible? If the Bible is for everyone, then that means that the Bible is not just for the people who work at a church. Do you need to make sure that you believe that? The riches of the Bible are not just for the leaders of these tables. But what about this? That means that the Bible is not just for people who have more time than you. Don't we believe that sometimes? Oh, we just believe that the Bible, like, like we just envy maybe the tables that are retired or empty nest, uh, nesters. And we're like, oh, they just, they get all the time in the world. The Bible's for everyone. And it's going to look different. Some of you do have hours of, a day. Some of you have 20 minutes. Some of you are so busy right now for different reasons that you probably will be lucky, you know, on certain days to just put Romans 8 on your phone and listen to it as you're driving somewhere. But the Bible is for you. And not just skimming the surface of it, but digging deep for the riches of it. The Bible is for everyone in this room. It's for everyone in the Sunday morning room. The Bible is God's self-revelation for all of his children. And so those are two things that we are going to remind each other of and stand on this study like we have for all of the other ones, okay? So as we've said, we are going to study Romans 8, one chapter within Romans for uh, six weeks. And as you maybe saw in the back of this book, or if you've, you know, been doing any pre-studying, or I think probably even in my announcements, I have been telling you guys that so many different authors and scholars and um, smart people, they talk about Romans 8 like it is the greatest peak, likening it to like a mountain range. It's the highest peak in the Bible. Lots of people will say, if you could only read one book in the Bible, it's Romans, and then one chapter within that, it's chapter 8. And as I started seeing this description on repeat, uh, I started thinking about a memory that I have with my husband, Matt. So when Matt and I were young married, uh, he knew that he wanted to go to seminary. And we were so free, we, we essentially got to pick where we wanted to go. So of course we picked Denver Seminary so that we could go live by the Rocky Mountains. Uh, we loved hiking, we still do. Uh, it's something we do every summer as a family now. But here we were, and we pretty much went straight from Iowa City. I had just graduated with my nursing degree, uh, packed up our tiny little U-Haul of, you know, Target furniture, and got out there. And within days, we're like, let's hike Mount Evans. Mount Evans is a, a 14er, so it's 14,000 feet. Um, and what a lot of people know about, about Mount Evans is actually you can drive to the top. Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, yeah, okay. Wait, did you guys drive? Mm. Okay. Well, so I don't remember if we knew that or not, but man, guys, we were young and so fit, and we're just running high on love and adventure, and so we decided, even before like adjusting to the altitude, that we were going to hike up uh, Mount Evans, went to REI, spent money we didn't have to get equipment we didn't need um, to walk this trail or whatever. And, and we went after Mount Evans. Um, and guys, we climbed and we climbed. It goes without saying that to climb up a 14er, it's going to take longer than a drive, right? These cars are passing you. My legs got heavy. My lungs burned. I got a headache. Uh, I got the altitude sillies where you just you just laugh at everything. I remember every time my foot slipped on a rock, I would just giggle because I didn't 
have enough oxygen or whatever. Um, but guys, I remember after hours of hiking, we reached that summit and, and the reward was palpable, right? Like the breathtaking views, the 360 on top of this mountaintop experience was, was absolutely worth it. So if people are saying that Romans 8 is the, the high peak of the Bible, it's like a, a great summit, a breathtaking view of the promises of God, then this story makes me feel like we as a room have two options with Romans 8 this semester. One, we could drive up to the top, so to speak. We could get plopped down. Right in the middle of Romans, we could plop down in Romans 8, and it would be great. It would. It would save a lot of time. It would save some energy. We could get started tomorrow morning in Romans 8, and it would be cool. We would take in the view of encouragement, take in the view of hope and assurance, and, and it would be great. It would deliver. Absolutely. It's kind of like staying in like Instagram Bible zone, which has its purpose, right? Where you can pop on social media and, and see a little nugget of God's word. And you think, yeah, I love it. That's good. I mean, there was even many of you that would text me or email me in the last month as we were just like putting this, you know, bits of Romans 8 out there. And we're like, this is already moving me to tears and to wrestle through doubts that I have and bringing up struggles that they have in their life. And that's just with kind of the, the plop down method of reading Romans 8. But here's, here's my problem with that. And here's the problem that I think many of you would have. We need more than that. We need more than just a, a little hit from God's word. We need more uh, than just a little shot in the arm. At least I know that I do. I know that some days my flesh feels so strong. I know some days my doubt feels so dark. I know some days that I can't find peace. I need more than just to know Romans 8 for this semester. I want to know it for the rest of my life. I need to know Romans 8 deeper than just on the, on the surface level. I want the goodness of God's promises to go deep to bore deep into my soul, into my nature. And so that leaves us with the second option. And I believe it's the option that the author of Romans, who is Paul, would want us to do. He would want us to make the climb to Romans 8. And so what that means, you're probably figuring this out, is that for week one, for the next five days, seven days, however you break it up, Guys, I think that we need to tackle the mountain of chapters one through seven. And you're like, you tricked us, <laughs> you stinker. In all honesty, guys, I have the exact same reaction where I'm like, oh, really? Because I am not just, I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke here, guys. I am intimidated of the book of Romans, by the book of Romans. I really am. I think that Paul is intimidating. And I think, you know, sometimes I can handle like his writings in Philippians that talk about joy or Ephesians that talks about like being the body of Christ or Colossians. I don't remember what he talks about in there, but, but Romans, I mean, Romans is like his thesis. He's like flexing his brain in one through seven, especially, and it intimidates me. And so I've never done a study of it. 
I think sometimes I'm not smart enough for Paul. I can handle Peter. <laughs> but I but I think that that Paul is, you know, he's brilliant and it's challenging. And so I myself am like, oh boy, are we really gonna do this? And in uh, Trillia's book, maybe you saw that in week one, it's one through seven in one week. So you need to be ready for that. Like you need to know that's coming, but not just so that you have an excuse to quit. No, because I want you to know that get through this week and then we are going to change pace, okay? We're gonna climb up this week and then we are gonna slow our roll quite a bit and study like one, two or three verses a week. But we gotta get through these first seven chapters and we gotta be honest that maybe that seems intimidating to us guys. That's okay, that's why we study in community. Um, and so as I was working through this, uh, kind of keeping with the same metaphor of a mountain climb, I want to take you through how I've been preparing myself um, to get into Romans. Guys, I want you to feel confident going into tomorrow morning. So I want you to imagine this with me. And it might help you if, if you want to write this down. We're essentially just going to do an overview of one through seven for the next 10 minutes or so. So if you want to write down the, some summary statements, then, then you can. This would be the place to write your notes but I want you to imagine this with me. Tomorrow morning, your alarm goes off and you don't even hit snooze because you are so motivated to start your Bible study, right? You pop out of bed, you open your study or you open your journal to Romans chapter one. And I want you to imagine it that it's like you're starting a hike and we're hiking together. How much fun would that be? all 70 of us hiking together. And Paul is our trail guide, okay? Paul is there and he is going to help us get up this mountain of the first half of Romans, guys. And it's the first day, you're feeling awesome, right? You know you've got these new friends at your table that are doing it uh, with you across town. Um, you're optimistic, you think, I've got this. Like me at the start of our hike of Mount Evans. A fresh energy. And, and Paul is your guide, and he's going to start pointing things out. And so it starts like this. You read in your optimism, you love it. You read that Paul says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And you, you love that he says he's a servant. You feel motivated from that. Then you keep reading, and you read that he loves this church in Rome. You're like, oh, Paul's not that bad. Look, like he loves them. He talks about how thankful he is for them and that he can't wait to hopefully see them soon. You keep going through chapter one and you get to his thesis statement in verse 16. As you've started this hike, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And you're like, yeah, Paul, I'm not ashamed either. Let's do this and you're, you're in it, You've, you're feeling good. Then you, you keep reading, and you're like, oh, the guilt of the Gentile worlds. Next subtitle, from idolatry to depravity, and you realize that Paul is pointing out our sinful nature, and he's gonna go into details about at the root of so much of the corruption in our world, it's idolatry, and and you're going to read this horrible, weird phrase that God gave them up to their evil passions. And you're like, wow, Paul, that is a mood killer. 
and it kind of zaps you of a little bit of your excitement as you move through chapter one and through chapter two. As you're going through this hike, you start picking up on big words. Paul's pointing out the law and he's pointing out the complexities of the law and then you're, you're hiking and it feels almost like it gets a little bit steeper as he starts using big words like justification and righteousness as you go through chapter two and chapter three. Oh, and don't forget that he creates an awkward moment as he points out the importance of circumcision in chapter two. But you keep with him. So at this point, we're like on Wednesday or Thursday and you're moving through chapter three and chapter four and you realize that this is really intense stuff. The climb is steep. Chapter four, he starts in with some questions. Imagine that you're on this hike and he's pointing things out and he's asking questions and you have no idea if you're supposed to answer them or not. That's how I feel about some of these chapters in Romans. Like, are we supposed to answer that? And as you get to chapter four, guys, you're going to notice that he starts talking about Abraham, federal headship, Adam. He's talking about uh, King David. And you're like, I thought we were in the New Testament. And you feel like maybe you got lost on the trail. And what you're noticing, if you start to be honest at this moment, is that Paul sounds like a professor. Or maybe he sounds like an attorney to you. And you're like, I don't know if I can track with this professor voice for much longer. And it's okay if you say that. And it's okay if you're even more honest in that moment saying, hey, I thought that this was going to make me feel better. I thought this was going to take away my blues. I thought that this was going to give me something to feed off of for today. Where, where is that, that good news? But you keep going. You go through chapter 4. You move through all this talk about righteousness and Abraham, more about the law you get to t chapter five, another big word, reconciliation. And at this point, it's kind of like one of those points, do you ever, like a professor is talking and instead of like that chapter one nod, you're doing this, you're like, and you're, you're just fake nodding. Like, you know what he's saying, guys, don't give up at that point. That's okay, we've all done it. Just fake nod with him for a little bit. We're gonna pick away at this throughout the study. You get to chapter six and there he goes again with rhetorical questions. And I can just imagine myself, it's like, he, he asks these questions, what should we say then? And I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to say. Should we continue to sin so that grace may apply, may multiply? And it's like, I want to say yes. <laughs> but that feels wrong. Paul asks so many rhetorical questions, and it might be at chapter six, maybe it's Friday of this week. You're like, nope, I'm done but maybe you push through to chapter seven and you notice, I mean, again, go back to our hike. It's like you're almost to the top. Maybe you're at the tree line. You can almost see something like a summit up there and you get to chapter seven and you realize Paul kind of starts focusing in on first person. He's talking in first person and he sounds so honest here. Chapter seven is kind of like described as like the self-doubt chapter and you can pick up on vulnerability in Paul. Professor Paul is now being honest and essentially he's saying, everything that I want to do, I don't do it. Everything I don't do is what I want to do. And maybe that vulnerability, that honesty in Paul will give you a moment where you're like, yeah, I feel that way too. 
You've spent seven chapters at this point, essentially looking at all of these different facets of how can a sinful person be in relationship with a holy God? And it is mind boggling and it is deep and it is tricky. But that last little bit of honesty from Paul pushes you through. And when you come back next Tuesday, you will find yourself at the summit. So imagine us on our hike, led by Professor Paul, and we get to the summit. And let's make it a little bit more perfect, guys. The sun is just coming up as we hit the summit because we started so early. And it just makes it perfect, guys. Chapter 8 starts, and it's the mic drop of the Bible. It's a crescendo of hope is how I read it from someone this week. Romans 8, chapter 1 as you have heard us say, starts with this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And guys, I I imagine myself at this point, I am winded, I am tired, and I'm standing kind of at the edge of the summit and Professor Paul comes over and kind of puts his arm around us and starts delivering these promises of God. And what I notice is that a tone has changed. He kind of moves from Professor Paul to Pastor Paul. And that's where we will be for the rest of the study is with Pastor Paul. He'll sound paternal even. And what he does as he strings together through the inspired word of God, all of this goodness, is he is calming our fears and our doubts. Who doesn't have fears and doubts? Who doesn't have seasons of fatigue and defeat? Paul comes to us like a pastor, no longer a lecturer or a an attorney, and he is going to put words to questions and confessions that so many of us keep silent. So guys, we can pump each other up to be tough this next week. We can encourage each other to to read God's word, leading out with our mind. We can remind each other that the Bible is for everyone, but If we don't see how Romans 8 can change our lives right now, then what's the point? If we memorize Romans 8, if we can understand it in the Greek, if we can show off to the whole church how very impressive we are and how we handle God's word, but we do not let the goodness of chapter 8 seep into today, change how we think, change how we feel, and change how we react, then what is the point? We should just go home now. So this is the approach that we're going to take. This is the imagery that we're going to use. But guys, let's, let's let it land even today. And I, I'm saying this almost like a testimony because I, you know, I felt like I didn't have as much time to prep for the study because we just kind of changed the plan maybe a month or five weeks ago or something like that. So I was even in go mode. I was in like, learn as much as you can in as quick a time as possible. But then here's a couple stories that actually made Romans 8 make a difference in my life. 
and in the lives of the people that I love. And I, don't, I could share a lot more than this, but here's three. The first one would be my own example. Busy, 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 preparing Romans 8, going deep into all of these sources, whatever. Pop out, do real life. I have a little conflict. I have a conflict that doesn't feel like a little conflict. It feels like a massive conflict. Something happens that makes me feel like there's someone who, who doesn't like me, if we really just want to use teenage girl language because we don't really grow out of it, right? There's someone who disapproves of me is what, is what I am feeling. And, and in a matter of hours, this conflict, this situation blows up like this. I get the facts about it, and then it immediately feels bigger than I can handle. And I spiral. I start circling the drain. If this person thinks this about me, which they clearly do, then it's true. And actually, what they think is true is only the, the tip of it. Actually, what is happening is I am way guiltier than I, I think. In fact, their disapproval means everybody's disapproval. And if everyone disapproves, then God must be looking at me in disapproval. I must actually still be guilty. The promises of the gospel, they're back there somewhere in my head, but they are not in my reality on this day. I go to coffee with an older woman from church and I spew at her. And as I'm, it, nothing, it's not like in this coffee date, it all clears up. I'm just telling her about all of this. And then in the hours after, probably the hours that she was praying for me, I hear, as if God, as if Paul is putting his arm around me, I hear, Rebecca, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I thought, oh, this problem, it's like that verse poked a hole in it and it went, it just took the wind out of it. And what was left was actually like a reality. But yeah, there was this small conflict, a pretty normal size conflict. But actually, my identity, because of Christ, is that I am no longer condemned. doesn't mean I'm perfect in all my decisions, but it means that when God looks at me, he sees Christ. And I am now no longer condemned. I am no longer to be pronounced guilty or sentenced to a punishment, if you need a little definition there. And what happens when what felt like this becomes this is I could breathe. <laughs> I could exhale. I could even ask for forgiveness. A couple weeks later, I'm on a walk with a couple friends, given some life updates. And this sweet, godly friend of mine is given a marriage update. And, you know, she kind of does her intro stuff, kind of the, it's not that it's the dishonest updates, but just kind of the way we do that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, this is good and that's good. And then, and then the more honest stuff comes. And I just watch her face deflate. And she kind of does this shrug. And she's just telling me about some conflicts in marriage. And she's like, I guess this is just how it is. I guess I'm just an angry wife. I guess this is how I will always be. 
and to feel that defeat, to hear that defeat in her voice. And in that moment, Romans 8, the living and active word of God, comes out and we start talking about verse 9, first of all, Romans 8, verse 9, which says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. In that moment of, of resignation, maybe, or defeat, this friend of mine was forgetting that because she's in Christ, she's in the spirit, not in the flesh. She needed to be reminded of who she was. And that because of that, she doesn't have to give in and be defeated as a wife. She doesn't have to be an angry wife for the next 40 years. She needed to claim Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, that includes anger. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And you just watch the goodness of Romans 8 build her back up believing that she can master the restart. And that day, she can give grace instead of attitude. She can give mercy instead of anger. She needed to be reminded, as I have so many times in studying this, that you, however, are not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. That's who you are. You are in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, you are not a slave to that sin. And then one more. A couple weeks before that, sitting in a basement full of toddlers with three of my friends, getting an update from one of them. One of them that has been blowing us away with her faithfulness for the last year, year and a half almost, with a specific situation. She took a foster baby into her home more than a year ago. And the whole time has been a rock of faithfulness, has just trusted the Lord with whatever God would ask of her and her husband, she would do another baby even comes into their home. And we see her every, every other week, we see her and see faithfulness and steadiness surrendered to God's plan for her life as a foster mom. And this week, she just seemed a little different. And one of the intuitive ones in the room says, what's going on? You seem sad. And asked a couple provoking questions. And she's like, no, I I'm okay. But she starts talking about how this foster baby that she loves, that she's had for a year, is now going and having visits with mom. But now is going and having visits with dad as well. And sometimes this poor little one-year-old has three transitions in one day. And this sweet little baby who, who we want to be returned to her parents, her bio parents, is crying when the social worker comes, is having, seems like fear when that social worker comes to pick her up for the first time or the second time or the third time in any given day, just being passed around and and this friend was able to just acknowledge that it's not that she didn't believe in that moment that God would take care of her, but that maybe she was doubting that God was going to take care of this baby girl. I don't know if God is going with this baby that I love. 
I don't know what will happen to her when she's at these visits or when she's being passed around, when she's out of my care. I can't control what is going to happen with this baby girl. And Romans 8 came alive as we attempted to just, we had nothing to say. And so Romans 8 came alive when it says in verse 34, well, actually, there's a, I don't know if I can find it. Oh, verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. This was a moment of weakness. It was rare, but it was a moment of weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And then we were able to jump over to the verse, uh, the truth in verse 34, that even though we, even just as a group of friends, didn't know what to pray for her or what to pray for the baby, we're able to say that Jesus, Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, he's been raised. Are you picturing this, ladies? He is at the right hand of God. And what is he doing? Interceding for us. And it blew me away in that minute to realize he's interceding for this baby girl. And then the the crescendo of Romans 8 is this beautiful promise for this child that she loves. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate her from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ladies, who does not need to be reminded that there is no condemnation, that there is no defeat, and that there is no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Is it for you that you need to believe your legal status, if you are in Christ, is that you are not condemned, you are not considered guilty anymore? Do you need to believe that you are not defeated, that your position because you're in Christ is that of a victor? that you can stand atop any sin, ladies, any sin. It does not matter how long you have not been confessing it. It does not matter how long you have believed that that sin has identified you. You can stand atop of that sin because of Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. And how important is it for in a room, especially of women, for us to believe that there's no separation, not just for us, but for the people we love the people we care about, the people we can't control. We want to so bad. We want to ensure that they're safe. We want to ensure that they are loved, that their future is secure, but we can't control it. And maybe we're so consumed with the fear and the uncertainty of the people that we love that we don't even know how to pray. Romans 8 tells us that's okay. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. And then we picture our high King Jesus at the right hand of God interceding for that person that we love. And that nothing can separate them. Nothing separates us who are in Christ Jesus from the love of God. Can we believe that this semester? Can we make the climb this week? And then can we dig deep into this necklace of promises, a string of promises from God's word. Paul will come and he will calm our fears and our doubts. But we're going to need to be honest about what those fears and those doubts are.
honest with ourselves, and honest before God. And when you can, honest with the people around you. The vision for, for studying in this way and, and with uh, this approach is that what we can do, guys, is we can believe that the goodness of Romans 8 is not just for our eternal future. It doesn't just tell us how good it's going to be when Christ returns or when we're in glory. It's good news for today. Let's believe that. Let's pray. Thank you so much for the gospel, Father God. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the greatest of the good news that we get to meditate on this spring. Thank you for loving us first. And thank you that because of the gospel, because of Jesus, so much changes for us. May we know you. May we know who we are because of you, Christ. Do a good work in our souls this semester. We are a thankful group of women. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are going to um, talk at our tables for a little bit. I have a feeling you guys did a lot of get to know, you know, get to know you, but kind of keep going if you need to learn names, seasons of life, that kind of stuff. Um, what we're going to do, I... Sorry, leaders. I'll be organized next week, maybe. <laughs> um, I didn't write out the questions for you, but just talk about these three promises, kind of the, the no condemnation, no defeat, no separation. What a, even if we just start with those, what of those three do we, do each of you want to believe um, because of this study and, and share what you're comfortable with? Um, We'll have two of the tables that I talked to go out in the foyer. We can take a third one if it's just crazy too loud. Do not fake like you can hear your table if you can't, okay? Say, please say that again or, or whatever. I forgot one logistic. Um, the week of spring break, we are not going to meet. Um, so it is a catch-up week if you're not on vacation. So March 12th is the Tuesday of spring break. We will not meet catch up on whatever you need to, memorizing Romans 8, whatever you need to do. And um, then we'll come back for two more weeks to, to finish it up. Okay? So plan on that. Um, Tuesday the 12th. So no study on Sunday the 10th or Tuesday the 12th. And I'll keep reminding you. Okay? If you didn't sign up, that means you're not on the email list. And if we would happen to have a snow day, I would need to let you know. So make sure you signed up uh, if you haven't. Sorry. Oh, goodness. Okay. Ready? Break. <laughs>